Good morning, DA. How are you? Good morning, my neighbor. Get off. Damon Avendola. Yes, how are you? Yeah, thanks for having me on, buddy. A great question. All aboard the dog. This is why you do what you do. Yo. Somebody stop me. I'm coming to you to be fat. Let me be fat. Look it. There's so many sickos in this country. This is facts. A little more juice. What? I am broken. Good morning. Well, as I was saying, when I was listening to the radio, I heard something. And what did you hear? A hissing sound like this. Hey, T.A. Hey, D.A. Let me aboard that mothership. Permission to board that mothership, sir. Well, you know, I had to slide through the intergalactic swag party. D.A., man, beam me up. What's going on, my brother from another mother? Beam me up. You guys are the best. You guys make it. Permission to board that mothership. has connected. And you the man, the egg. Happy Tuesday to you, North America, the mothership has connected. Welcome aboard. It's the four-hour black hole block party. DA with you from the CBS Sports Radio Studios in New York City, broadcasting to affiliates nationwide and north of the border. Anchorage to Atlanta, Reno to Richmond, Kalamazoo, and Waterloo. Way are on the air. They listening, DA. Everything we saying, DA. Everything. How <laughs> are we doing, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us. Wow, we are ready to rock and roll. Coming your way this morning on the show, the voice of the Washington Huskies, Tony Castricone is going to join us. The sounds of Saturday continue with the Huskies, one of the best teams in the Pac-12, as the Pac-12 has its swan song this season. That's so. We'll talk to the voice of the Huskies coming up in hour number four. This hour and 20 minutes, sound check in 40 minutes. Jerry Caves, and it's also a Trash Tuesday, which means if there's anything that's bugging you, Pete, there's anything that's bothering you, anything that's a burr underneath your saddle, today is the day to unload. Today is the day to verbalize what it is that is bothering you. (laughs) So hit us up on the phone at 855-212-4CBS <laughs> or on Twitter, DA on CBS. <laughs> <laughs> we begin with gangrene, the New York Jets. Dream team. Dream team. 
dream team. They have acquired the pieces surrounding Aaron Rodgers to hopefully make a run of their first Super Bowl since the 1960s. And the collection of talent continues. Dalvin Cook is now a member of the Jets. They have also acquired the skilled running back, four-time pro bowler, who is a free agent, who has bounced around training camps this summer. And now he is a member of the New York Jets. Hard Knocks is following them around. Expectations are through the roof. Rodgers playing the leading man is Cook. The final piece of the puzzle. It is where we begin. Your cold open. Cousins takes the shotgun snap. Back to pass. Quick throw. Left side. Caught by Cook along the numbers. 40, 45. Cuts right 50. 45, 40. 35, 30. Cook to the 20. Cuts left 15. Down to the 10. Inside the 5. Diving in the end zone. Touchdown, Minnesota. Touchdown, Vikings. I'm going to sit down with my agent, and we're going you know, to go over things. Um, you know, Right now, we're just taking it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what this process is about. You know, you kind of evaluate everything. You know, you don't you don't skip the process of going through everything. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just trying to you know go through one step at a time, and you know the jet the jet's right at the top of the list. So let's go let's go check the box. I don't believe it. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heartrending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. That call is courtesy of Westwood One. That was Dalvin Cook before he signed anywhere. But Dalvin Cook was looking at the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, the New York Jets. And ultimately, it was the Jets who inked him to a one-year $8.6 million deal. Okay, so let's, let's be frank about this. The Dalvin Cook certainly helps the Jets. They are dealing with the injury slash rehab of Brees Hall, who was a great young running back for them last season, but tore his ACL. So he is still coming back off of that. So namely, Dalvin Cook is insurance policy against the rehab or maybe ineffectiveness of Hall coming back off of the injury. And who knows when Hall is going to be truly ready to go. So Cook is a nice insurance spot there. Now it's an expensive insurance spot 8.6 million bucks that is not like having a fourth round draft pick coming in and be your insurance plan or a veterans minimum insurance plan that that's a healthy amount of money for just this season for a guy who's 28 years old now he just turned 28 but he does have some miles on that odometer and that's one of the big reasons why the the Minnesota Vikings felt like it was okay to let him go he's been very productive for them but we all know what happens to running back in their late 20s. They usually don't age well. And so he's getting into that age group. For the Jets, look, it's pretty obvious. This is a win-at-all-cost type season. Because with Rodgers up there in age, you don't, you don't sign Rodgers and then ask Rodgers to give some money back unless you're willing to spend that money to help try to win right now, today. The Jets don't have a window of four years from now. The Jets don't have a window of maybe even three years from now. It's more than likely the New York Jets have to win a Super Bowl or at least get to one with Rodgers under the center in the next two seasons, this year or next year. That's got to be the plan. And this is hopefully going to get you there. Now, I've got my question marks about Dalvin Cook because, namely, 
rare is it for a guy to be available as a free agent on August the 14th and not have some question marks or red flags around him? I mean, there is a reason why he was able to sign yesterday and other teams held back. Why the Dolphins and the Patriots did not feel like it was worth signing him and other teams did not feel like it was worth signing him, even though he's been really productive. And that is because there is a fear that he's just not going to have what it takes, the juice as the season wears on. But I think for the Jets, it makes plenty of sense. I think the, the question is simply, what are your expectations around him? I think it's less about what are the expectations around Dalvin Cook he doesn't need to run for a thousand yards and catch another 500 yards worth of balls for this to be worth it. It just, the, the way that this is worth it is if come Thanksgiving or early December, you've got a healthy, solid workhorse running back that either it's Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook, one of the two or somebody else, but you are just trying to create enough depth and security blankets to where you're playing in playoff caliber games in December and you've got healthy bodies at important positions. That's really what this is about. It's an expensive signing. 8.6 million bucks for 28-year-old running back. You know, that's expensive. And he was available for this long for some reason. But if the Jets go to a Super Bowl and part of the reason is that Cook was productive at a couple of games and helped spell a time when Hall wasn't productive or wasn't in there. Hey, that's all that that's all that matters. And I've said this a couple of times for the Jets, they have anteed up, they've turned up the expectations to a 10 to where anything less than an AFC championship game, I think, is a wild disappointment. And anything less than a Super Bowl appearance is a disappointment. And if it's less than a Super Bowl championship, you know, you might feel like, man, we, we missed a chance. I think if, if they get to the playoffs and lose the wild card round, it's it, it means nothing. If they win a playoff game and lose in the divisional round, I think it's okay, but still really disappointing. Th this team has to get to an AFC championship game or a Super Bowl to really feel like they maxed out of their potential. So it's really an all or nothing type of proposition for the Jets, which means... Yeah, you got to do things like this, which is get aggressive and sign players and and hope that even though it's a one-year deal, it's the one-year deal that helps put you into that, at that AFC title game or beyond. 855-212-4CBS or on Twitter, DA on CBS. Man, what is happening in the Bronx? Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. This is an organization that has not had a losing season in more than 30 years. Now think about your team. When's the last time they had a losing squad? Last year? Two years ago? Every year over the last decade? And yet, the team of the Bronx has not had a losing season since 1992. What were you doing in 1992? What were you doing? What was I doing? I was 13. I guess I was probably in eighth grade. I mean, I'm definitely rocking out to like boys to men. Probably a hypercolor t-shirt or two. Wearing, wearing LA gear. 
maybe some LA gear. Yeah, I'm watching YoMTV raps on Saturday mornings or something. I mean, I 1992, been a long time, and yet here we are with just six weeks to play in the season, and the Yankees are now just one game. Over 500. Whoa, 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 whoa. 60 and 59. Wow. What? This is a squad that two nights ago blew a four-run lead of the ninth inning. Choked one up. Gagged. (laughs) To the Marlins. Bullpen completely imploding. And then last night in Atlanta... Wasn't even a game. Losing eleven to three to the Braves. <clears throat> They're in last place in the American League East. Last place. Shame. Flirting with five hundred, they're collapsing. When scoring three runs or less this season, they're thirteen and forty-four. Three runs or less. Now I know that's not a lot of runs, but. If you had any pitching, any pitching, three runs, you should be at least in some ball games. But outside of Garrett Cole, their pitching's been a disaster. Really, outside of Aaron Judge, when healthy, their hitting's been a disaster. And Aaron Boone's kind of been a disaster. And the roster's been kind of a disaster. And we are we are staring at history here. We're staring at a, a Bombers team that, is on the doorstep of its first losing season in 31 years. Oh, the shame. Oh, the what, shame. What a shame. Our hearts go out to Yankee fans everywhere. Not mine. Today and for the rest of this season because this, this is a bloodletting. Every single day, just a little bit more blood let out. Another paper cut. Another day of just laying on the ground, blood draining from your face, turning pale and cold, staring up into the sky, going, what is my destiny? The destiny is last place in the American League East. Last place. And a losing record. Oh, man. They had the second-highest payroll in baseball this year. Now, the first-highest, the top, would be the Mets. Eh, We're not going to go there, but for the Yankees. There's a plan. There's always a plan. For the Yankees, I I don't know what the plan is. Loser. 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 11-3 last night of the Braves. Oof, wow. When we come back here on the show, we've got Soundcheck, your best audio of the day. Anthony Richardson, he's under center for the Indianapolis Colts. Jim Irsay wants him to be the franchise guy like right away. We'll hear from Richardson on how it feels stepping onto the NFL field for the first time. And 
People are wondering what's going on with Trey Lance. We'll hear from him as well. That's next. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys. And visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. CBS presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. And this portion of the show brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck at a timeshare? Want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. You can always watch the show at watchda.com. That's mobile friendly. Also on YouTube and on Twitch. Check out the CBS Sports Radio channels there. Soundcheck begins with Anthony Richardson. Colts. First round draft pick, potential franchise QB for Indianapolis. How was it stepping on that NFL field this weekend? You know, I had a lot of time with my hands. You know, after you know getting my legs ready before the game, I just went out there and I looked. I took like ten laps around the field, maybe just experiencing it, just enjoying it, just imagining all the fans being there. But you know, it felt good, and just seeing everybody there and just hearing all the, the loud noise and stuff, it just felt good. And just I had to soak it in at first. So I think that Anthony Richardson proved to be kind of what we thought he would be, which was flashes of, ooh, I like that, with also some, ooh, why would you do that? The interception that he had in the preseason start was a bad one. It's a rookie decision. It's a bad throw. It's a defense that's going to confuse him. He's throwing off of his back foot into coverage. And it's just a terrible throw and a terrible decision. He overthrows his receiver. He's falling backwards. It's early in the game of the first quarter. It sets up the Bills with a good field position. It's kind of exactly what you worry about when you have a rookie QB in there that's very raw. And he is exactly that. On the other hand, I don't think it ruined his day. There were things that he actually did very well. There was a throw... Sometime in the the later part of that first quarter where he kind of stepped into the pocket and threw downfield and hit his receiver nearly in stride or in stride right near the goal line and, you know, put it right kind of where it needed to be. was confidence he stepped up and, and let it go. So there were things that were good. There were things that were bad. And I have a tendency to believe that's going to be most of his season this year. Some, ooh, yeah. And some, oh, God. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, God. Oh, yeah. That's my official analysis of Anthony Richardson's rookie season. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Here is Trey Lance. Far too little. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Far too much. Oh, God. Oh, God. Here is Trey Lance after a very rough outing on his preseason opener this year. Just just taking advantage of every opportunity I get uh, one day at a time, like I said earlier um, in, in training camp. Um, just, just trying to stay present focused one day at a time and, and trust that, you know, whatever is meant to happen will happen. Oh, God. Like I said, 
I've been very high on Trey Lance. If this coaching staff can turn Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Jens into legitimate starting QBs of the NFL that win games and go to the playoffs or play in the playoffs, I think they could do something with Trey Lance. But look, time's running out. He just does not have a lot more opportunities to have crappy games like he did over the weekend and still get the benefit of the doubt. And now that they've got Sam Darnold there, they don't even need him to be the backup. So it's on Trey Lance now to step up and get it done, and we'll see if he's got what it takes. I wouldn't panic yet, but the clock is ticking. How's that clock go? Tick, 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 tick. Or as Berman might say, tick, 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 Rambling, bambling, stumbling. Finally, number one overall draft pick, Bryce Young of the Carolina Panthers. Getting his first taste of the NFL action, and he actually wanted to get hit. You know, you go months and months without actually getting hit. And this isn't something that's new this year, but kind of every year. Kind of the first time you get hit, it's like a cool, like, all right, cool. Like, you know, it hasn't happened, but like, I, all right, I remember what it feels like. Like, we're back playing football. So, um, you know, yeah, it's definitely like, you know, the first time I've been hit since college. So, you know, you don't get the same, you know, tackling drills or full physicality that other positions get. So I think universally, um, you kind of, every first hit, you're always like, all right, cool. Like, now we're back into the season mode. And that is your sound check. This might sound crazy. But because you probably think of me as like, I don't like human contact. And I'm like, ew, people. And I'm not really like, you don't probably look at me as a, as a manly man. Sit behind a microphone and spout idiocies about sports every single day, but you would be surprised to know when I was a youngster, young DA, probably right around 1992, in fact, played peewee football. I didn't mind getting hit. I didn't mind the physicality of football. I didn't mind. I was like, yeah, it kind of makes you feel alive when you get hit. You don't now. You don't want to get destroyed. You don't want to get trucked. But you know, when you're playing pee wee football, it's hard to get trucked. Nobody's moving that fast, especially in the '90s. I mean, it's kind of like all slow motion anyway. You know, so I played a little slot receiver, kind of a Danny Amendola type, if you will. You know, when I got tackled, and you'd be surprised, really good hands. I wasn't very fast. wasn't very big, obviously. I was out. Average speed, but wasn't very big. But I, I didn't mind getting hit. And I so I kind of, you know, I can I can relate to the number one overall NFL draft pick. No, you can't. <laughs> a guy that a guy that played at Alabama, won national championships with the number one overall pick of the NFL draft. I can relate to that. You know, it's just sometimes good to get hit. Um you know, you haven't been on the field in a long time and Sometimes it's just good to feel that. Oof. Okay, yeah, feel alive. Carlos, you probably played high school football. Yeah, I played uh, I played safety because I didn't have any good hands. So they're like, all right, go on defense. You know where the ball is. You're not going to catch it. So you'll just hit it and make sure the receivers don't get it. I'm like, all right, cool. So you, had, me, you had enough agility and enough footwork oh, yeah. to be able to be back I, there? I wasn't always morass size. I was like 100 pounds lighter in high school. Okay, so you were nimble enough to play defensive back. Yeah, and that, that's all I could play. Okay, no so hands. then you could hit, so you must have liked hitting. 
No, and that's why I don't believe Bryce Young, and I don't believe you. First <laughs> really? Of all, Bryce Young, with the rules that they have in place to protect quarterbacks, you're not getting hit anyway. What do you think? Lawrence Taylor's barreling, barreling down the middle in the 90s? Yes. You're not getting hit with these people like that anymore. You don't know what it is to get hit below the well, knees. Well, that's why he likes to get hit because it's not a no, really vicious hit. It's not like Reggie White pancake. It's a pillow it. fight compared to what it used to that's be. That's why he likes it. I don't believe him. Nobody wants to get hit. Nobody wants to get hit. Not even in defense. I just want to make the play and go off you, into the you sunset. You don't think that there are safeties out there or linebackers out there that like to deliver hits? Yeah, they're psychopaths, and that's not normal. Like, no, nobody should want to hit anybody. Violence is not always the answer. I get it. It's... <laughs> It's what we have to do in football in order Violence to Violence is not play, always the answer. They play football. But no, I'm not trying to take somebody <laughs> What do you out? want them to do? What is Just the solution to tackling somebody? Make a deal. Make a deal. Yes. I mean, yeah, listen, I'll give you this first Find down, a compromise. The next play, I want that ball. <laughs> That's what my dad said I used to do when I played football. Oh, you played football too? <laughs> yeah, so I played in middle school, and I played one year in high school. Okay. I was horrible. <laughs> okay, what position? But, uh, I, I played the line. Okay, offensive? Offensive. De- uh, back then, you did both. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah two-way. You're, you, you're a Bedneric type. Right, right, that's right. So, <laughs> so, so my dad would always joke with me, I saw you making a deal with the linemen. <laughs> it was, I'll tell you. I tell you, I did not want to get hit at all. Really? See, thank you. I did not. Because we used to run... Back then, you ran drills where you would do the line up head to head, get up, and then and then go. Yeah, no, the Oklahoma drill, I never wanted. The Oklahoma drill, no, right. I would get demolished. Didn't they do away with that drill? Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that yeah, was. But, little... but I'm saying, but back then, you ran stuff like that, and uh, I didn't want to get hit at all. Yeah, no, I no, I agree with that. I never want to do the Oklahoma drill because I would just be splattered like a mosquito, no doubt about it. But I mean, just on the field of play, I didn't mind getting rough. It's inevitable. I mean, you know yeah. it's going to happen, but you're not looking for it. I mean, if you don't like getting hit or you don't like physical contact, football's a really bad sport because you're around just contact all the time. You might as well be like a diver or a tennis player or something. It was, it was, I was, I will say this. It was the best shape I was ever in. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, football, but I did both. I did football and I wrestled. Oh, in well, wrestling's wrestling, a different. I, I totally see In that. middle school. I did that in middle school. I was in my be- best shape ever. So While that's it. So, so it's interesting because I didn't mind getting hit. If we have football pads and jerseys on, I really didn't like playing basketball where you were like rubbing up against sweaty people. Like when you're just like, it's kind of like a long came poly, right? Where, you know, you're just, you're like grinding and slipping on sweaty other human beings. It was like, oh God, I don't want to do this. You smell the BO, the armpits right in my face. You know, that's too much. But I played soccer also growing up. I didn't mind. I didn't mind when guys would come over and try to, like, you know, forearm you to try to get the ball. I mean, it's just, like, contact is part of it. I didn't I didn't mind that. So, I, you know, as I said, Greg Cassert, I can really relate to Bryce Young. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because of your <laughs> Along Came Polly reference, bringing up Sandy Lyle, which yeah. is one of the great <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman roles. Totally. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking of that scene, and that's... And that slow motion scene where, like... Oh, it's brutal. Ben Stiller has his face up against Hoffman's like armpit and just slides yeah, it's up bad. and the sweat and the <laughs> And right, he's a germaphobe in the movie, right? right? So yeah, that's right. the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not good. In the John Stockton shorts. Right. Splash. <laughs> and he totally misses the bucket. Yeah, the... Rain dance. 
chucks it up. Really good movie. Very good. Really good. Very movie. underrated. It was over after the last fi- the first fifteen minutes. It no, was the, what? The, the, the first fifteen minutes was the best part of that movie. I didn't enjoy the rest of it. Really? Yeah. After I, the one uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman scene where he did something in his pants. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that it all went down. <clears throat> like, well, you can't interesting. Top that. No, see, interesting. I thought that all three characters, Philip, yep, Seymour Hoffman, Ben Stiller, and Jennifer Anderson, all are really fun, yeah. cool, memorable characters. It's pretty much the most likable Jennifer Anderson's ever been because she kind of plays a bit of an artistic free spirit, which is much different than her tight kind of like, you know, regimented, prissy type of. I tell you what, though, when she was in Horrible Bosses. Oh, well. Yes, that, sir. That was. That's, that was I mean, that, that hit on a couple of fronts. That's a different type. But that, of, was that like her first along came comedic Polly? movie role? That was her first. To, to be honest, that was probably her first real edgy one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she wasn't was even really we that edgy, but well, right, we are the, we're the Millers are way after that. Though. That's after. Long Came Polly's probably 2000, 2001, something like that, which is right around the peak of of Friends. She might have done one or two smaller films before that. Stiller's great. 2004, oh, Long Came Polly, okay. but still, it's 20 years ago now. Yeah, it's that's crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah, good movie. Never forget The Ferret. The Ferret. Yeah, I was going to say, when they go out for Moroccan food. That's right. And they, they uh, come back and... She goes, are you okay? He's like, no, huh, I like spicy. Oh, Gloria Splat <laughs> says she was in Office Space, but she would, that wasn't a comedic role for her. She wore the oh, flares. Oh, yeah, no, it was. That's, she that's wore a comedy. the flares. Yeah, she wore the flare. Yeah. Yeah, a but tra- that's, that's a very tra- dry, tra- sarcastic. <laughs> Great movie, too. <laughs> she didn't have enough flair. Chachis. <laughs> Is it Chachis? Chachis. Chachis. All right, I'll be back in a minute, you two. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> so what exactly do you do here is what the bosses were asking yesterday yeah what is it exactly that you do here is that what the bobs yeah i'm thinking now is that what these interviews have been like oh, oh for Mraz's job yeah <laughs> no has, the has, bobs has <laughs> have you been one of the bobs bobs no actually well if you if you Yes, technically, yes. I was complaining about TPS reports. Waste of time. He's got morning show producer written all over him. (laughs) That's amazing. Today, it's me, Pete the Body, Carlos with a K, and Greg Caserta. And Greg Caserta has your headlines. DA, we're sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Man boobs. Sure thing. Wow. Yeah, it was not. That one, I'm surprised. That was a haymaker. Uh, that really was. Wow, that stuns you. <laughs> that was a sunny Liston wow. right there. Holy cow, that's, that really Very stuns good. you. A trio of big moves yesterday, headlined by two veteran running backs with seven Pro Bowls between them, finding new homes in the AFC East. Believe it or not, Dalvin Cook has one more Pro Bowl nod than Ezekiel Elliott. And after several weeks of speculation and some time after his official visit, Dalvin is a New York Jet. One-year deal worth up to $8.6 million to be Aaron Rodgers' lead back atop the two-deep. And here's what Robert Sala said about it leading up to Cook's official visit a few weeks ago. Like I said, we'll never say no to a great player if it's uh, if opportunity presents itself in the right way. So excited about him and his visit. Uh, it's really just being able to get have a conversation, get hands on him. I, I know he's got some things that uh, uh, medically that would have to check out and all that stuff. But, uh, uh, again, excited about his uh his visit and a chance to sit down and uh, talk with him. 
and he continued. He's dynamic. He's a dynamic ball carrier. He's 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 been a, a dynamic ball carrier for a long time. He's great in the pass game, and uh, so it's just a matter, like I said, of all the details of that. I'll, I'm not going to get too detailed, but he's like, you can't say no to a good football player. They usually find a way. And Dalvin found his way to New York after four. You can say no if it's too expensive. That's what sure. the Dolphins said no to and the Patriots said no to. And the rest of the league actually said no to Dalvin Cook. Well, because the rumor was that he was ultimately trying to play everybody against one another right. so that Miami would come calling. Yep. And I don't know. I think it's a good move for the Jets, right? Like, I, you guys it's have been a, talking about it's it. It's a one-year deal. You're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. You, you can't argue with it. It certainly doesn't make you worse. But it's... You know, there's a reason why nobody else wanted him for 8.6 million bucks. He's 28 years old. Doesn't it also make you think that Brees Hall's recovery from the ACL surgery is yeah. not going well? Yeah, which is probably why the the Jets had no leverage in how much money they had to give Dalvin Cook. Right, like because they were talking Zach Ertz yesterday. I think got cleared. He's on track to suit up, and I think he had his in week 10, mm-hmm. and Brees had his in week six or seven, and he hasn't even been in pads yet. So, like, some guys come back pretty quick, but it seems like his is not going smoothly, yep. which is this not is good. Totally insurance for yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. This, sign, this signing is the ultimate indictment on him and what he's going to be this year. Uh, that's that's why they had to uh, maybe, maybe spend a little more money than they wanted to. Absolutely. Dalvin found his way to New York after four straight 1,000-yard rushing seasons with the Vikings. 43 rushing touchdowns during that time, but only 14 over the last two seasons. And the Jets... Haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2015. They've gone 34-87 and 87 in the seven seasons since then. Who was the Jets' 2015 1,000-yard rusher? Oh, that wasn't that was an LT, right? That was that's who. No, that's, that's after LT. LT would have yeah. been retired. Yeah, not Le- Thomas Jones. Le'Veon never hit a thousand. I didn't look it up because I was trying to think about it. Well, Thomas and Jones is a good one. But it that, wasn't. But him. he was retired yeah, at that point. It wasn't him. Yeah, it was Le'Veon. Oh, who was it? We'll find I, this out. Yeah, that's how bad. The, that's how <laughs> shoddy the backs have been so uh, in the last few years. <laughs> Leon Washington? No, that's that way before. It was Chris Ivory. <laughs> oh my oh, God! Wow, the ghost of Chris <laughs> with one thousand seventy yards. <laughs> he just just hit it. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> That was the Ryan Fitzpatrick Jets year. Yes. Oh, the him and Brandon Marshall How about that? going off. How about that? How about that? So, yeah. Uh, Cook also had a visit with the Patriots. They scooped up Ezekiel Elliott with a $3 million base salary and a $1 million signing bonus that can be worth up to $6 million with incentives. Elliott tweeted yesterday, 1-5 all the way live, and then added the <laughs> Patriots in reference nice. to his old number 15 from Ohio State. Love it. Now, if you remember, Zeke signed that six-year, $90 million extension with the Cowboys just prior to the start of the 2019 season. He played out four of the six years while his overall production gradually decreased over time. Zeke Prescott. So, so when you talk about how the running back position has been devalued, that's one of the contracts that you point to and say, yeah, he got paid, but it kind of hurt other guys long term. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Zeke was also a very high pick of the cow- fourth overall. I think was the fourth Top overall five. pick. So, yeah. you know, his 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 story really affects where we are right now uh, with running backs as a whole. Speaking of them Cowboys and owner, how about them Cowboys? Jared Jones. 
He told All-Pro guard Zach Martin that the team needed to eventually lock up Micah Parsons. Right. So Martin held out for more money for three weeks. And Jerry said, I'm not going to pay him. <laughs> but then uh-huh. he secured it yesterday. Oh. Martin, two years, $36 million guaranteed, up from $27.5 million. Makes him the third highest paid guard in the NFL. And instead of old Jer, he was great after the two sat one-on-one before their game against the Jaguars. Thanking himself. This past weekend. <laughs> I knew you had something. Um, some oh, I got very, plenty. Some very sad news to report. Five-year NFL vet Alex Collins passed away following a motorcycle crash on Sunday night in Florida. Uh, hit an SUV and uh, was only 28 years old. That crash is currently under investigation. In Minnesota, tight end TJ Hawkinson told reporters at camp yesterday that he's missed most of the camp because of an ear infection that affected his equilibrium. He participated in yesterday's full walkthrough, but sat out contact and pads work. And finally, can't forget about college football. Yesterday's AP Top 25 poll that came out. Ryan Hickey of the Zach Gelb Show calls it one of the great days on the calendar. The two-time defending... <laughs> What's so funny? Why are you laughing? I don't know. What, what are you doing from the shower? Yeah. It's nice that you're quoting Hickey in an update. <laughs> I don't think he's ever one. said... He's never actually said that. No big deal. But I know he was very happy yesterday. And I'll actually have to check his Instagram to see if there was said shower post. Yeah. All right, guys. So here's the new top 25. <laughs> this is great it's hair. Like shampoo with Prell. There you go. Just say that. I mean, that <laughs> freaking clown. It should be noted that Ryan Hickey interviewed for the open executive producer job, came to the studio in a tuxedo. Which I'm still wondering if that was a gag. Maybe the mockery of the entire process. Exactly. He should be which, disqualified immediately. I, I should, have no bias for this. I process. actually should respect him making a mockery of the process, but it has <laughs> wait, made wait. me pause. Is that for real? Yeah. He yeah. interviewed in a tuxedo, like he was the frog from WB. Or <laughs> giving me a Chardonnay. He he did his stepbrothers. Dobby, your brain. It's the Zach Gelb Show. Coming up next on Felicity. That was pre-CW. <laughs> yeah. That was WB. That was a frog. <laughs> so he pulled the stepbrothers. Yeah. He showed up for the interview in a tux. He should have right. came with Gelb, and Gelb should have been in a tux, too. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. They could have gone the, the Dumb and Dumber route. One wears the creamsicle one, and the other wears the powder blue. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like the old Bucks uniform. You're and Hickey's tux- definitely dumber. <laughs> You're wearing a tuxedo for a job that cleans toilets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now those tuxedos seem kind of effed up. <laughs> Is that onion? <laughs> I don't know. I might have to play that in an update at some point. All <laughs> right. I think that like plays on the radio. More after this. That's right. <laughs> so uh, the two-time defending national champions from Georgia are number one. It's their first preseason AP number one ranking since 2008. Michigan's number two. Ohio State number three. Bama slides in at number four for its lowest preseason ranking since 2009. But for you historians out there, that team went undefeated and won the first of six national championships under Nick Saban. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Greg. When we come back here on the show, more on Zach Martin getting his money in Dallas. DA, CBS Sports Radio. So what's eating you? People are getting 
the left lane and drive the speed limit. I gotta trash the NFL, man. Trash my ex-girlfriend. You want me to trash that? Trash Tuesday, my favorite day of the week, not for nothing. Time to vent. We take it out like the trash. It's Trash Tuesday. All right, welcome back. Trash Tuesday means we're venting about what's annoying us these days. You can hit us up on the phones at 855-212-4CBS or on Twitter, DA on CBS. Carlos with a K is the executive producer this week. And so, Carlos, you lead off here. Who are you trashing? I'm trashing Andrew Bogish. Who told him to go to vacation? We talked last week. He was interested in what an MRE is. It's a meals ready to eat. I actually have been carrying around this damn thing for the last couple of days. MRE, is that a military thing? This is a fully, quote-unquote, edible meal ready to go. You add a little bit of water and you're good. It's like vacuum sealed in a bag. Basically, it's like all preservatives and crap. Bogus, for whatever reason, was interested in having an MRE. So I'm like, you know what? I got drilled this weekend. I'll snag a couple of boxes, and I'll hook you up. Because you're in the reserves. Right. So I I served over the weekend. I'm like, I'm going to hook you up. So yesterday, I picked up my backpack. I'm like, ah, it's heavy. I didn't pay attention to it. I came to work. No problem. Picked it up again this morning. Why is it so damn heavy? Opened up my bag, and I forget that I have a whole bunch of these in there so he can have it. But I'm carrying it around for nothing. And this is bothersome to me because me with my 40 part-time jobs – that's valuable real estate. I got to put headphones, papers, all types of crap in there. Food. But no, I'm lugging around these freaking MREs because Andrew Bogish is not here to claim what he asked for. And I'm trying to be nice, and now I'm a bad guy. So trash them. Trash them. Overflowing landfill. Okay, so what meal is that? Greg Caserta has it in his hands right now. So this is a hefty bag, and it took me a while to find it, but it says Menu 9 Beef Stew. Ooh. And in parentheses, ragu de boeuf. So they French it up a little bit, too. Okay. But what's really cool is they have the Department of Defense Shield on the top of this thing. So So you just add water to this thing and it actually turns into beef stew? I got enough for everybody because I wanted to give them options. Uh, Pete gets the hash brown potatoes with bacon, pepper. That sounds good. Uh, Let me see this. DA, you can have the beef shredded and barbecue sauce. Okay. And I have the chili and macaroni. Wow. I will try this today. I am so in. Warfighter recommended, warfighter tested, warfighter approved. And so in this bag, is there like, does it come in a bowl or plastic? Or do you have to have your own utensils? Everything's plastic. No, it has utensils. It has uh, forks. Got everything that you need. All you need is just a little bit of water, which luckily we're indoors. We're not in an austere environment. I can procure some water, and we can all have meals here. And, okay. Cap, and Cap is going to go nuts because now that'll be a military breakfast cam. Okay, now a lot of other shows have done a lot of other food things, and I was thinking maybe we would stop being the food show. Nobody's done. No. But at this point, I think we have to do Menu 9 Beef Stew, the MRE military yeah. meal in a backpack. You can so, all grade the meals. We can all exchange them. And these clockwise. don't need to be heated up. 
Well, the water, you put it into like a, a white phosphorus little bag. Oh. You put the little water, it'll self-heat. <laughs> it'll self-heat. You'll take it out in about six. I'm going to do them all for you because I don't want you guys eating cold food because, you know, this stuff is barely good warm. Being oh. cold is going to be miserable. Phos- uh, phosphorus and food should not be re- related. It's not touching, Pete. It's advanced science. So don't worry. I'll take care of okay. all this. We'll all have nice breakfast together. All right. This I'm, sounds I'm bogus so gets nothing. Yeah. Nothing. You had your chance. I'm in. I'm into this. So you're in the reserves when you quote serve last weekend. What does that what does that mean? Steal some food. Well, yeah, because this definitely was not supposed to be taken. That being said, <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a public affairs specialist, so I'm like the Army's journalist. So, you know, wow. do take a little photos, do a little stories. I used to be in chemical operations. That sucked. This job is cool. See, that sounds cool. Oh, wow. That sounds way cooler than your current job, but the day-to-day... <laughs> No, because it's not, it's not no, as because if I ever had to do my real job, that means the world is ending. Oh, you know, okay. That's like nuclear explosion or a chlorine attack or something like that. Now you said oh. that you you used to be quite thin and now you're not so much. If we did, if we were in wartime, would you have to then get into shape to then serve? Uh, they want me to get into shape now. <laughs> There's regulations, <laughs> but there is no, you know incentive right now because basically right. you're just taking a few photos well, of like cats and trees. Well, even even my job gets deployed. My unit is gone. They're actually in Syria, Jordan, Iran. So they're coming home in like two months. I was supposed to be on that, but here I am on the DA show. <laughs> Giving us beef stew. I, I don't know what's Stealing more beef stew. I don't know what's more noble I for your country. It. I don't steal anything. What makes Carlos the greater American hero? Producing the DA show or actually being part of active reserves? My original thought is, are you getting court-martialed for giving this to civilians? (laughs) (laughs) No, Like, if the three of us start coughing up blood, does that come back on you? I accept no liability. Okay, all right. I don't need to sign a waiver. I accept full whatever happens after this. Okay, we're going to eat this next hour. Oh, we are? (laughs) Pete is not looking forward to this. Pete the body, who are you trashing? Well, I I am trashing calls from stealing from the U.S. government. (laughs) Totally gross, dude. (laughs) It's horrible. Uh, I'm also trashing Mother Nature. Uh, Every time we've, we've had rain about four of the seven days on average over the last week. And every time I go outside for my, my when I'm in my car, there's nothing happening in Mother Nature. There's no rain. Nothing's had. It's very nice. Uh-huh. Nice drive. Every time I get out of the car, it's a downpour. I don't, someone up there is looking at me, is, is looking for me, is, it has a vendetta against me. Sure. They don't like my takes. They don't like anything I say. No, so like I, I'm trashing Mother Nature. We're constantly releasing the rain whenever I'm out in the, in the open. Come on. I don't have an umbrella. I'm trashing them. That's just offensive. Greg Gazzardo, who are you trashing? Well, I, I had to think about this because I've actually been in a, a very good headspace lately. Normally, I'm very angry when I come in here. But today, I'm just going to trash. Can I trash the whole NBA? Of course. Ah, yes. Just because of my, my love for the product. This stuff with James Harden yesterday, and you know, we'll talk about it. It's just, it's part of the larger problem with this league and why I have zero interest in it is because it's run and organized by immature children. And it's just me, 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 never honoring contracts. Dame Lillard, I'm not, I only want to play in Miami. 
Well, it doesn't work that way. You signed a contract. And I feel like this happens in the NBA more than any other sport. Harden forced his way out of Houston. It didn't go well in Brooklyn. Now it's ending poorly in Philadelphia. Maybe you're the problem. And a lot of these guys don't have it in them to realize that they are the problem. So I am trashing. I was going to say toasting. I am trashing uh, these superstar me, me, me guys in the NBA. Trash them. That's just offensive. To piggyback off of Pete the Body's trash, it has been so wet this summer. Mm -hmm. It's rained a lot. When it hasn't rained, it's been stormy and just like humid, thick cloud of humidity in the Northeast for what has felt like months. And it is killing my plants. It's killing because it's it's fostering all these mites and mm. bugs and fungus. And so I work really hard on these shrubs. I work really hard on these flowers. I work really hard on these gardens. And every day there's a new fungus or mite or bug or aphid or something that I got to kill. You should see. I mean, I look like Terminator X. I have like five different spray bottles. This for that. This for that. This for that. Spray this today. Spray this for that. I mean, everything is just like a rainforest around here. Everything's eating everything else. It's just fungus and mites and bacteria. It's just a big Petri dish around here. And then it's raining on Pete the Body's head every time he leaves the car. Ridiculous. Get me to the... We had one day last week where I woke up in the morning. I was like, ooh, it's dry. This feels like September. Because it has felt like the Amazon for two and a half months now. (laughs) Trash. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Amen to that. I, I was so I was so stacked taking out the cutter this past weekend and just spraying the whole lawn of all these bugs and, and vermin. It's tough. Jeffrey tweets, yo, DA, I'm trashing Carlos with a K for foisting MREs on everyone. <laughs> I was in the military. This stuff is garbage. Oh, Bogus no. is lucky to miss out. Household waste goes in this bin. Dixieland Dan is trashing never-ending house chores. Laundry always need to be done. Dishes washed, dusting, sweeping the floor. I've got a black lab, and I can sweep the floor every other day and collect enough hair to build another dog. Adulting sucks sometimes. Hashtag trash that. I'm getting queasy. Mayo is trashing Washington drivers. There have been too many major accidents lately. It took me two hours to go six miles yesterday. Hashtag learn to drive. Don't let a raccoon rip into that bag. Now, let's clarify. Washington, D.C. or the state of Washington? I believe the state. I believe the state. He didn't specify, but I believe that's a, that's a state. Same thing in D.C. too. Whenever they drive. Steven in South Carolina. I'm trashing people who, when you let them into traffic, don't wave or acknowledge that you let them in. Is Oscar the Grouch living in there? That's a tough one. Total Some, pigs. Eh, sometimes I'm I'm a culprit of this is when I'm nudging in or I find myself at the outside lane and I'm like, am I going to try to get in now? Let me speed up a little bit, try to get in where there's a natural break, and then I get in, and sometimes, like, you don't even want to make eye contact because you're worried about yeah. the dirty look that you're going to get. You should wave, I agree, but sometimes you just don't even want the confrontation or the eye contact. I had this happen a few nights ago where I let a woman into the left turn lane only, and she looked at me, and we did the wave, and then as we were getting closer to the light turning green, she just kept waving at me. Like, she did it too much, like being too friendly. And after, like, the second or third one, I'm just like, just, just drive, please. I... Here she's hitting on you. <laughs>
Squishy Liquid is trashing Lori and that garish heap of nonsense. Put it in your living room if you don't want it to rot, Jeff. It was a joke. <laughs> is Oscar the Grouch living in there? Nebby tweets, I'm trashing Cap today for the brilliant Two Bobs meme. It made me choke on my coffee. And hashtag coffee burns the nose. So frustrating. But why would he trash him? He sounds like he liked it. I, I think the, the point was like the coffee. He should have trashed the, himself. Yeah, the coffee. For not knowing how to drink. I'm a trash, not trash. <laughs> Moist pork is trashing the two cool 20-year-olds that came into my store last week bragging about their chewing tobacco and spit cup. Can't Ugh. you just smoke cigarettes like everyone else? <laughs> and the store stunk for hours after they left. Hashtag get a life. Get that guy a napkin. So gross. It if there is a if there is a more disgusting habit, you gotta let me know because I don't I can't think of one. The spitting into like a Gatorade cup or a Gatorade like yeah. bottle is just you're looking at somebody's spit constantly and it's getting foamy on top, but it's also black and dark because it's chewing tobacco spit and it just I mean you wouldn't do that with anything else except you're publicly carrying around something to keep spitting in. And then you see it in people's cars. All right. So my junior year of college, we drive down to Panama City, Florida for our spring break. We take my car, my Ford Fusion, and it's me and three of my college buddies. And my buddy Evan DeKazer was a dipper. And he was sitting in the front seat with me. And at one point, I reached over to grab what I thought was my bottle of water. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I didn't I swallow know. it, but I knew as soon as I did uh. this what it was, and I spit it back in. Oh, it was so in your it mouth? Was in my mouth. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, dude, really, really yeah. bad. Oh. Really bad. And I didn't get sick, but it was really vile and obviously, like, washed my mouth out for a week. In Did Panama you? City, of all places, like the dirtiest <laughs> place you could go. Um, and I dipped a couple of times. If I dipped five times, I probably puked three times. Really? Yeah, it's awful. It is awful. So you dip, and then do you immediately become nauseous, or do you get like a head rush and a buzz, and then you, you get puke the afterwards? head rush? And like, I've so every so often back in the day, I would smoke the drunk cigarette. Like, I would have the go outside of a bar, smoke a cigarette. Attaboy. And one time, my buddy goes, dude, you don't even do it right. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you just exhale. He goes, no, no, no. Like, take a drag and inhale it. And within five minutes, I vomited everywhere. From a cigarette? <laughs> From a cigarette. <laughs> Tobacco's rough, dude. <laughs> Tobacco and nicotine are, like, if you're... Yeah. If it kills people. If you're chiefing, like, if you're just puffing on it because you like the oral fixation, would make your own joke. A cigar, I'm cool with. I'm good with a cigar. But, like, man, if you're really getting after it on those. Get even, some gum. Even it, though oof. the cigar, I mean, people's breath smells mm -hmm. so bad. It, it smells like they just ate the butt of a hog. After they smoke a cigar, it's just like, wow, you really smell terrible. Like your breath. And then if any of my buddies that do it after we're out drinking or something and wake up the next day, they're like, oh, my God, yeah, you, my mouth you, tastes like a garbage you disposal. You can't get it out that first day. I, I'm not good with cigars or cigarettes or I've never done chewing tobacco. I just, I'm just not a tobacco guy. When you were up at, because I know I, you were up at Saratoga Raceway. 
a lot of cigars up there, right? Tons. Yeah. So I did when I was up there for opening weekend a couple of weeks ago. And me and my three buddies, we bought cigars. I smoked mine for over two hours without putting it out while we were at the track. So the combination of the sun, the cigar. <laughs> we went to see Dave Matthews Band that night at Saratoga Performing Arts Center. I felt awful for about two hours where I just felt queasy and it just, it doesn't sit well, you know, like you got to know your limits with that. Cause that'll mess you up. Yeah. It's a trash Tuesday. So hit us up with your trashes. Ostrich eyes is trashing the quote food guy because he's still the food guy. Hashtag dumpster. So frustrating. Once upon oh, a time, there was yeah. somebody on this show that called himself the food guy, but then said, when I moved to the other station, other show, I'm not the food guy anymore. And what it strikes me as oh, okay. is everything I've seen from Mraz has been food oriented right. since he's taken the new right. job. Nothing related to a take. It's been, it's been, if it's a take, it's a take on food. It's everything is food, eat, or be the show pony. I was listening to the show on my way home from doing Rome last week. And in the span of three phone calls, one guy was a bar owner. And Mraz asked him, how many flavors of wings does he serve at a sports bar? <laughs> and then the next caller, Rinse and repeat. two callers later, it was some take about boneless wings and why boneless wings were superior to Applebee's, but only at Applebee's and Buffalo Wild Wings. And then yesterday they were at Giants camp. And the only picture that we see posted was him eating Kayvon Thibodeau's cookies. <laughs> so, what are we the, doing? The hashtag not the food guy is very mm -hmm. much seemingly the yeah. food guy more than ever. Oh my. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'd eat one of those cookies too. <laughs> what a it's dumb just... question to ask a sports bar owner. How many flavors of wings do you have? Like, what? That's a terrible no, line it's of valid. questioning. What if you want to go to the bar and you're gonna, they only, your choices are only buffalo and mild? That's not a real place. Get it out of here. Buffalo wings are fine. You don't need all these exotic flavors. <laughs> a good buffalo wing supersedes any other flavor. Do you not like teriyaki wings or Jack Daniel wings? I <laughs> Garlic, Parmesan, oh, Chipotle. Here's a groan from Pete the Body. I'll, I'll tell you what. I will say this. I, I don't really like the garlic Parmesan thing. I don't Trash want Greg. any sort of cream-based thing with my wings. Alabama white You're sauce, maybe, if it's good. But I'm not, no, garlic parmesan, no. Okay. I'd rather eat a cigar. <laughs> or chewing tobacco. It's a trash Why don't you drink some more dip? More trashes are coming, but Greg Caserta has headlines first. Guys, I want to lead off with this pun intended because Ma and Pie Yankee have had it. Probably the most trying season in the Yankees radio booth for John Sterling and Susan Waldman. Last night, the Yanks had to open a series in Atlanta following Sunday's choke in Miami. And apparently, John wasn't a fan of the noise at Truist Park. You know, we were just talking. The, the paying system here is so loud, you can't distinguish the words. Now, maybe if you're in the... If you're in the seats, and maybe you're down, maybe you can. But not up here. We're way up in this ballpark. Anyway, the PA system is going. Well, we're going to take a break, and maybe when we come back, the PA system will be off. Please! <laughs> we'll get back in a moment. <laughs> Please! 
I love how his laugh is the same timber as his voice. <laughs> yeah, so good. He's got a great voice. We should smoke more cigars so we sound like John mm. Sterling. I wish someone would explain it to me. I'm hoping it happens from bourbon, but it hasn't happened yet. How do you like that? And then we get this from Braves Radio to tell Ow. just part. Oh, that's my favorite. It's the best. To tell just part of the story from last night's game. <laughs> oh, two, and he whistles one inside the bag of fair ball. That's going to give the Braves the lead. Two run score, a perfectly placed ground ball that he shoehorned right inside of third base. And it's 3 2 Braves thanks to the bat of Nicky Lopez. Gave them the lead for good, 11-3 the final as the Yankees dropped their third in a row, now five and a half out of a wild card. Not that we've necessarily lifted the embargo on New York sports. but well, it, I think we have. Oh, have we? Uh, have we, we, we led with Dalvin Cook. We've talked about how the yeah, Yankees have point. collapsed. We just played that whole thing from Sterling. The embargo is the station, not necessarily Ooh, oh, the sports right. teams anymore. I like this. Okay. Yeah. So it appears that Max Scherzer is back in the groove upon his move to Texas. Mad Max improved to a perfect 3-0 with the Rangers following last night's 12-0 blowout over the Angels. We were in good rhythm tonight, the whole night. Uh, and so uh, when I can go out there uh, and execute and, and have some quick innings, then that just allows that puts more pressure on the opposing pitcher. And you know, with this offense, this offense can explode at any time. That's Max talking about his night with Mitch Garver behind the plate. 11 strikeouts over seven. His Texas totals in three starts. 11 hits in just 20 innings. Yeah, good with, job, Max. Complete loser in New York. But, you know, go figure. Go have fun in Texas. He's also struck out 26. Not that I brought this up to get that reaction. <laughs> oh, you got That's it. not why I did this. That's loser. exactly why I did this. Thank Total you, Pete. Total loser. <laughs> I sit here and watch people I don't even know play a, play a, play a baseball game every week. Don't every worry, day. the season's almost over. It's August 15th. <laughs> this should have been a pennant race. Now, now it's a bunch of bums just playing the games. Oh, it's great. It's oh. um, so, Thanks, Max. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Simeon hit his 19th home run, drove in five. The Angels are now seven out of the final wild card. Oh, that's it? That's, on, that's it. <laughs> and, I'm glad uh, they went day. all into the deadline. I'm a set of losers. So I was trying to figure this out. So they go all in, and you look at their moves, and you go, wow, they, they did an honest effort to try and make a push. And then the Mariners sell. They run off eight wins in a row and are in the wild card discussion. That's the thing about this expanded playoff field where it's like, yeah, it's interesting, but then you get these different case studies where it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then uh, I guess to finally, because I don't really want to talk about this too much, but um, what's messed up is that the top story in baseball right now is Rays superstar Wander Franco, who's being investigated for his rumored relationship with a 14-year-old girl. The league is investigating Sunday's social media posts that made the rounds and prompted the team to place the 22-year-old shortstop on the restricted list for this entire road trip. The belief is that Franco is still being paid during this leave, and as of last night, authorities in the Dominican Republic have opened their own investigation. Mm. Now, this terrible story clearly wasn't a distraction for the Rays. Last night, they stung the Giants 10-2 to keep pace with the Orioles. They continue to be a great story. Baltimore winning in San Diego 4-1. They are three games up on Tampa Bay in the AL East. Excellent. Thank you, Greg. When we come back here on the show, can Zeke help the Patriots? And more trash is DA, CBS Sports Radio.
The DA Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. It is tipped off. And Lewis going on the deflection. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown over. It's the sounds of Saturday every morning on CBS Sports Radio. Devin Culp motions left to right. Now Jalen McMillan does as well. Trip set toward the field. Left hash mark, nine-yard line. Fourth and goal. Snap to Michael Penix. He's back to pass. Fires into the end zone. Con Roma Dunze. A fastball, and Adunze had both hands on it for six. His second touchdown catch tonight. Our next guest is the voice of the Washington Huskies, and there's been a few changes in Husky land these days. Our sounds of Saturday continue. The voice of the Huskies, Tony Castricone, joins us. Big Tone, how we doing? I'm good, man. Uh, yeah, a lot of changes. Uh, 2022 was a big change from 2021. And now, of course, um, to be going from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten is, is about as drastic of a change as you could possibly imagine. You know, this is all so recent, all so new. So how, how were Husky fans handling that transition? You know, it's um, it's kind of a mix. Uh, you'll get a lot of people who are just kind of befuddled and, and can't believe we're at this point in the evolution of college sports. And, you know, the diehard fan base, um, the way, I, you know, I, I've kind of covered college sports in a multitude of areas. You know, I, I was in Columbus, Ohio for a while. I was in North Carolina, now out here in Seattle. And it's a different experience following uh, college sports on the West Coast. You know, I think when you're you're kind of in the eastern half of the country and you're in those college football hotbeds, it's not uncommon for people to you know flip on college game day first thing in the morning and then watch games from from noon to midnight and whatever the big game of the moment is. Like you know whether that's the SEC or the Big Twelve or whatever, you're flipping it on, and it's just a little more regional. I think still out west where. You know, I think uh, people are really, really into their team. And then, you know, maybe you get home and if there's an interesting Pac-12 game on, you turn that on. But, but outside of that, you know, it's just um, that just seems to be the way it's, it's experienced more broadly out here. And so for the region to have been ripped apart the way that it was with, you know, starting 13 months ago, uh, 14 months ago with, with SE and UCLA leaving and, and the ripple effects that that's had, it's really, it's really hurting a lot of people. And, and then, of course, you know, in the city of Seattle, you don't just have Husky fans everywhere, but you got a lot of kooks everywhere, too. And so the fact that these two programs, which have been in the same conference for 108 years, aren't going to be any more moving forward, there are a lot of people that really don't like that and are, are questioning everything when it comes to, their, you know, how much they're interested in this enterprise moving forward. Now, there are a lot of other people that have seen the writing on the wall for the last one to three to five years of like, this isn't going well for the PAC 12 and uh, we need to position ourselves to, to try to be in this national mix moving forward. And I think that contingent of the fan base is thrilled. 
to think that, okay, now we're going to be, rather than going to Tucson or Berkeley, we're going to be going to Iowa City, going to Madison, going to State College. You know, I, I think those are the things that really have people excited. And, and this is a proud program. It's got two national championships that had three straight Rose Bowls, um, you know, back in the 90s, three straight New Year's Six Bowl games more recently. And they want to compete for national championships. They believe they can. They got a head coach who's won them at different levels. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that contingent of the fan base thrilled with the idea that, that this is now a, a big-time player moving forward. There's got to be a lot of hurt feelings between Washington and Washington State because they've been rivals forever, in-state rivals, families. Some kids go to Washington. Some people go to Washington State. Alumni, yeah. you're, you're in offices. You're going to schools, and families are divided by these types of things. And one moves on and gets the wealth, and then the other stays back, and you know who knows what happens to Wazoo. That, has, that must have... Must have created quite the friction within Seattle and Washington in general over the last couple of weeks. How is that unfolding? It, it, it totally has, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see moving forward if the rivalry continues. I mean, the Apple Cup is one of the more historic and traditional rivalries in college football, and you know, <laughs> this isn't the first time we've seen rivalries broken apart due to conference realignment. I mean, the backyard brawl. West Virginia, you know, I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State moving forward, Texas, Texas A&M's gone through it. I mean, I, I just, I, I know that this is one of the side effects of the way that things are going, but, but certainly, I mean, you've got a contingent of the Washington State fan base and probably a large contingent at this point that is saying, forget it. We don't want to, we don't want to even do it moving forward. And that's a totally understandable response to what's going on. And then from a Washington perspective, you know, everybody administratively has said they're very committed to trying to continue the rivalry, but the implications of that with the conference schedule being what it's going to be in the, in the big 10, nine games, at least we know of for now, where you're going to play five road games every other year. That means in the best case scenario, if you maintain a home and home with Washington state, you will never play another home and home with a non-conference big boy opponent and then and and then also be able to get seven home games in the mm. same season and that's so important for the revenue purposes so it's a really complicated like there's you know you, you only trade sets of problems in life right you know like it, it seems like you solve one and then that creates others and so that's just kind of where we're at right now but you're right um you know the city of seattle and the state in general um really really kind of divided on this issue and it's it's going to be fascinating to see how it unfolds voice of the huskies tony castricone joins us here on the da show on cbs sports radio jimmy lake era was short and it wasn't all that glorious he exits a four win season 2021 he was gone midway through that season kalen devore steps in and immediately there's life within the program last season they go 11 and 2 they win an alamo bowl and finish eighth ranked in the country and so what was last season's Cinderella ride like from your spot in the booth? It was incredible. Um, and I think for, for more reasons than one, I mean, it's one thing to have as dismal of a season as they had in 2021 and, and to kind of think, okay, well, you know, we've got a blank canvas. You got a new coach coming in. He's got a great record historically at kind of lower levels. Can you do it 
here in the Power Five, and then to see that kind of success was was great. I mean, he could have won eight games and people would have been really energized. But to go to Oregon, to go to Washington State, and not just do that, but you, you beat a top, uh, you know, a number six Oregon team in Austin. That's the highest ranked win uh, over an Oregon team in Husky history. And then to go to the Apple Cup and not just reclaim that trophy, but to put 51 points on the board against a defense that had been giving up 19 a game. I mean, it was kind of the way they did it. And and maybe the most memorable game, um, well, I mean, the Oregon game, all-time memorable. But 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 the the big, um, you know, foot-in-the-ground-we're-back moment at home against Michigan State. Yeah, the Spartans didn't end up having a great season, but at the time came in ranked 11th, and Washington just hammered them at home. I, I just think these are the kind of things that, like, has the fan, by, the fan base super energized and and now you got a quarterback like Michael Penix going into his sixth season and um, just had the moments. You know, I mean, we, we were really pushing for a Heisman campaign for him, and, and hopefully he has more eyeballs on him this year. Um, but just had those moments with the incredible, you know, touchdown throw against Oregon to tie the game late um, and, and just what he did against Michigan State, against Washington State, everything else. Uh, setting a school record for 516 passing yards against Arizona, and then for the whole season, 4,600. Um, I just, I, I just think it's it's this trio of DeBoer, Penix, and then offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, who just sees things in a way that I'm not sure a whole lot of other offensive coordinators do, and that's why he was courted by the likes of Alabama and Texas A&M in the offseason. That trio has created the one of the best offenses in the country. Now the question is, can the defense take a big step forward? Schedule is going to get a lot harder this year, but, but the hopes and the expectations are there in 2023. What was Kalen DeBoer's personality trait that helped lead such a dramatic turnaround? So, you know, I, I think it comes down to a lot of the same basic leadership principles that help any organization thrive. And I'll just tell you a, a personal story. Um, before the spring game in 2022, I went in to interview him for our little five-minute pregame hit. And, DA, I mean, you know, like the schedule of these coaches and how just focused they are on the billion things they got to take care of, right? Like it, it's, it's not uncommon for even the really personable ones to have to do the obligation and then move on. And before I knocked out the interview with them, I said, Coach, you know, this is – for your first broadcast that we're doing here. Like, is there some messaging that you'd like me to get out? Like what, what, what story do you want me to tell the fan base? And he looked at me and he just goes, how long you got? Hmm. And I got to say, that's the first time I've ever had a, a division one coach of any kind ask me how long I have for them. Right. And, and for the next 45 minutes, he sat and he walked me slide by slide through his culture playbook and wow. what he wanted to instill at the university of Washington. And I mean, I, I and, and he said, "Hey, I got I got this quote from this guy, and I got this quote from from this coach that I had way back in Sioux Falls, and all this stuff." And it it, it just it gives me chills right now just thinking about it. This is the kind of leader that can accomplish anything, and and it, it just starts at the top, and you get you've got a vision, and then you get everybody on board, and then you have your plan for how you're going to go execute. And I just think everybody at Washington believes. And that belief starts with who's at the top, instilling it in everybody all the way down. And so that's why I think, I mean, people inside, we just feel like the sky's the limit, truly. And it's, it's really, really, it's cool to see.
boy, rarely does a broadcaster get taken behind the curtain like that and yeah. be able to observe and digest and process what what the, the head of a program is really trying to do in a detailed setting. That must have been pretty mind-blowing for you to, to really see nuts and bolts, like how a plan is enacted at that level. Yeah, it was. And, and not only that, but like you talk about things that you just are just lapping up like a dog and like just you know, drinking from the fire hose thinking, okay, what are the implications for how I could lead, you know, our broadcast team? How, how can I yeah. be a better, a better person, a better husband, a better citizen, all that sort of stuff, just really inspiring. And so I, and you see that, you see that alignment all the way throughout because the things he was saying on that culture playbook are, you know, then repeated by the coaches, then repeated by the players and the players are kind of holding each other accountable. And it's just it's just kind of that stuff, the good stuff that, that takes everybody in college sports is good. The question is, can you go from good to great, right? And that's that's how you win championships. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really healthy culture. And off to a great start. Tony Castricone is the voice of the Washington Huskies. You know, before I let you go, I forgot to ask you this last season, I think, when we had you on, maybe the year before, but that was that when you first got the job, I remember reading a story that you were collecting Washington Huskies game programs, <laughs> and that your your prized possession was the 1944 Rose Bowl. And I'm thinking, where does Tony keep the 1944 Rose Bowl game program? <laughs> I wish I had a more interesting answer than, than my <laughs> drawer at work. But, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it's... It's just right there in the cubicle, but um, yeah. I thought I mean, it was going to be under to some time. bulletproof case in on the mantle of your living room with candles to Don James lit all around it. <laughs> well, you know what's what's really cool about that is it's not behind glass because I still want to flip through it because okay. you know 1944 was wartime, right? And so they're playing USC in an altered Rose Bowl due to it being wartime travel restrictions and you flip through the program and it says, here are the Husky players that are in the service. Here are the Trojans that are in the, I mean, it's incredible. Like it's, mm. it's one of the all time coolest things I've ever seen. You know, I have a few old programs like that and you almost, you feel like you're going to break something just by flipping through the pages. Right. And, and just yeah. trying to be so careful, but it's impossible not to, but you don't want to smudge anything or ruin anything, but just reading through something like that as though you were transported back in time is a wild, wild experience. It is. And, uh, yeah, that's got to be number one on the list. There are other good ones, but but 1944 Rose Bowl is number one. eBay find or some type of secondhand? It's totally store? eBay. And not as expensive as you'd think, you know? I mean, it's not in mint condition at all. But, uh, yeah, those that eBay is something special, isn't it? <laughs> has been for like 25 years insert ebay uh ad right here <laughs> yeah no <laughs> doubt something special tony castricone <laughs> is the voice of the washington huskies they're coming off a wonderful season last year finishing number eight in the polls we'll see how they can rebound their preseason number two in the pac-12 behind usc and so as the USC-led Pac-12, you know, kind of breaks apart, we'll see how this all unfolds, and the Huskies will be a big part of that. Tony, it's always great to catch up, my man. Thanks so much. Hopefully we'll catch up during the season again. Sounds great. Thanks, DA. Go dogs.
For those wondering, a 1944 Rose Bowl program at eBay right now ranges from $65 in fair condition all the way up to $300 in very good condition, graded. Okay, thanks to Tony for joining us here to talk a little Pac-12 Washington Huskies football. Standing by with our final headlines of the morning here is Greg Caserta. Well, D.A., this is timely because uh, Stephen South Carolina was quick to point out that my take from this morning about Brees Hall of the Jets did not age well, and he could not be more right because uh, this one just came out about 10 minutes ago. They are activating him, are the Jets, off the pup list. He's added today. Dalvin Cook yesterday. Hall will now ramp up his activity with the hopes of suiting up for week one, Monday night against the Bills. Mm. Uh, Also saw that... Mike Gesicki, who's with the Patriots now, for those of you who don't remember, suffered a mild dislocated shoulder. He hopes to play week one. And uh, Sean McDermott apparently is, quote, still working through the process after taking over defensive play calling. Seems like we've had a lot of AFC East updates. Headline, of course, by Dalvin Cook. And uh, he got that one-year deal from the Jets yesterday worth up to $8.6 million. The Jets, like I told you, have not had a 1,000-yard rusher since Chris Ivory in 2015. Glad we got to go over that earlier this morning. Cook took a visit with the Patriots. They ended up going with Ezekiel Elliott. He gets $3 million in base salary, $1 million signing bonus. That's up to $6 million with incentives. And he apparently is going to rock his old number 15 from Ohio State. Good business decision from Cowboys guard Zach Martin. He waited it out, bet on himself. And he did not blink. Jerry Jones did. It's a new two-year deal worth $36 million fully guaranteed, which makes him the third highest paid interior lineman over the next two seasons. And former NFL running back Alex Collins passed away at the age of 28 after a motorcycle crash in Florida on Sunday. The five-year veteran was most recently in the USFL, also remembered for three 1,000-yard rushing seasons at Arkansas, Former Razorbacks quarterback Ryan Mallett also passed away back in June after drowning in Florida. Baseball, this one right up your alley, Pete, the body. Justin Verlander responded to a report that he was a diva during his half season with the Mets. Uh-huh. Here's Verlander's response on social media yesterday. Quote, I want to say that I have nothing but respect for the Mets organization, and I enjoyed connecting with all of my teammates this season, new and old. It truly was a wonderful group of people. That being said, we all know the success of a team is made up of more than just the players on the field. Everyone's input is valuable. I'm sorry to hear that a staff member took offense to constructive criticism on how we could improve. (laughs) Wishing nothing but the best to the Mets moving forward. Nothing wrong with that. You okay with that? No, nothing wrong with that. All right. Because he probably went in there, had some ideas. He, you know, he did win a ring. So you would think they would help. Uh, it, would, it would help their department, mm. and no one wanted to listen. So that's okay. what happens. All right. And uh, finally, before we get to stunned, the Giants were blown out by the Rays last night, ten to two. But the best story to come out of that: longtime radio voice Dave Fleming donned a Giants uniform and worked the game as a bat boy for a few innings before getting back to the booth. This was his punishment for finishing in last place in the team's fantasy football league. This is the second year of the punishment. Last year, outfielders Stephen Duggar and Austin Slater were the inaugural Bat Boys. And now we get stunned. Woohoo!
It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. <laughs> Robin the 321 with the story and the tagline. This takes the phrase, I got it from my mama to a whole new level. Oh, dear. Anyone looking to date 23-year-old social media influencer Gabriella Vigorito will also have to deal with her overbearing mother. You don't just have to land mom's approval. You also have to date her as well. <laughs> Gabriella's 56-year-old mom is a former model. Catherine Galasso Vigorito believes that the mom and daughter are a package deal. This arrangement is apparently causing some issues for the daughter when it comes to her dating Carlos life. with a K immediately goes to Google. <laughs> Give me that last name again. Uh, Vigorito, V-I-G-O-R-I-T-O. Uh-huh. What's the complications? Mom is a former Miss Connecticut USA winner, and Gabriella has done some pageant competing of her own. Now, the love triangle isn't all it's cracked up to be. It has not worked out all that well up to this point. You're because kidding. The two dress alike, and despite their age gap, have been mistaken for twins. <laughs> My siblings don't, don't like it. And they won't join in at all. We call them the simple sisters, Gabriella said. They won't join in. They don't support mom and me matching, but they do support my social media endeavors and modeling career. I love being my mom's twin. It makes me feel really great. She is so beautiful, and I looked up to her. She's my biggest inspiration. Um, So when I hear about parents, new parents like you, and Pete the Body having a, a new baby, I wish you congratulations because oh, you. I know you're going to do a wonderful job. Yeah. There are some people that I don't say congratulations <laughs> to because they are going to ruin mm. a young mind mm-hmm. and really warp them into something else. wonder how that'll work if I ever, ever asked AJ, do you want to do some double dates? Because <laughs> <laughs> the DA in like 15 years just being his wingman. I'm, I'm 90. <laughs> you're of dating age. <laughs> no, dad. No, thanks. That's nice. It's it's really nice. It's just like the frog and the spinach deal from yesterday. You get two for one. It's So the same guy has to date both of them at the same time? I guess so, yeah. But I guess for a guy <laughs> like that, he's also looking to become an influencer of some totally, sort. Totally, yes. You don't, like, get a, you don't jump into that situation unless you kind of want some of the fame as well. I can see Pat Boyle doing this. One million percent. That's right. Boyle has probably already reached out via DM. <laughs> this is a perfect candidate. Now, I didn't get a picture of the mom. The girl looks like every other girl on Instagram. You know, she's a dime a dozen. <laughs> I, wa- I want to know what the mom looks like. I'm at this stage of my life now where I am more I interested this, this in the 56-year-old. This thing, let's get out of here. Like, listen, the, the mom's all right, but nowhere near like the daughter. It's not a twin scenario. Oh, okay. All right, well, I'm glad we're researching that. When we come back here on the program, <laughs> Advanced Analytics and your epic fail, DA, CBS Sports Radio. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. We ate something called MREs today, which is military bagged meals that Carlos brought in. It's your epic fail. We're trying something called MRE. <laughs> I said once Mraz left, we got to stop doing the food stuff because clearly he's still doing the food stuff. I like to eat it raw sometimes. Look at how delicious this looks. <laughs> it's just bags. It's just plastic bags of goop. Food is family. So to clarify, you stole from the army. 
I tactically acquired. Yeah. Okay, so we can swap if we want, Carlos said. I got tortillas, some orange powder, which says there is absolutely no fruit juice in it. That's oh. Faderade. That's fake Gatorade. Fake Gatorade. And cheese spread with jalapenos. <laughs> oh, not too bad, actually. Nothing will go wrong there. I tell you, I'm not eating those. Even no. the tortillas. I do have an oatmeal cookie as well. I got fat-free vanilla pound cake. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and a book of matches. And I guess this is how you heat up the food with the water. Carlos has gotten us some water here. And the diagram has the pouch with a little circle around there. And it says, lean the pouch on a rock or something. <laughs> Rock or something, <laughs> which is the type of detail we appreciate in the U.S. military here. A rock or something or other. Okay. <laughs> if you put more water, these heaters will stink. So uh. make sure you just put a little bit of water to get the phosphorus crap thing heating up and going. Oh, that's not right. Do not eat the chewing gum. <laughs> there are two types of gum. That one, it makes you go, and the other one makes you no-go. Really? I am excited. They do give you a little spork, yep. a little spoon, plastic spoon, so you open up that, and then you just dig into this. I like that. I like that. I like that. Let's eat this thing. Is it heated up properly yet? Oh, this is gross. I am not eating this. <laughs> You're not eating it? No chance. That was a taste. I bet you can't wait for the entree. I'm about to throw up. Hey, your tax dollars pay for that. <laughs> Nah, there you go. Just say that. I mean, that's... Listen, dude, people serves you could eat this beef in a bag, all right? <laughs> Carlos served, so you can have this I'm beef not, in no. a bag. You might as well just spit on the flag and light it on fire if you're not going to eat this beef stew. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Smedley Hoover gone incognito tweets. I guess you now know why we call MREs three lies in a row. They're not real meals. They're not ready, and they're not ready to be eaten. Hashtag trash them. Our poll question was of, oh, I guess we run out of time. Of the MREs, which is most delicious? Let me tell you, I'm not feeling great right now after eating mine. My beef in a bag is not sitting well right now. I'm stuck with the M&M's. Thanks to Carlos of the K, Carlos Ortiz, your executive producer. Thanks to Pete the Body Bellotti on the Wheels of Steel and audio director. Thanks to Greg Caserta on headlines and Andrew Kaplan, the Wizard of Watch DA. Be good and be good to one another. We will see you tomorrow. I'm DA and the Mothership Disconnects. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.